Good morning. What's up, dude? This is Jordan. This is Joe. 8 a.m. Shift. shift is in the house. <laughs> What's up, man? Nothing much, man. It's been an interesting few weeks again. Yep. Also because of our uh, publishing schedule has been <laughs> <laughs> kind of bouncing around. Yeah, Sorry, man. guys. <laughs> Apologies to all of our listeners who are like, wait a minute. How come this is coming out on a Tuesday? And how come this is coming out on a like a Sunday morning? And how come we're talking about things that happened like <laughs> several weeks ago? Now nah, we just have had a very tight schedule. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's good because it's like we have work schedules just like yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we got to work around them. But absolutely, um, absolutely, we want to keep the pod shift. No, pod shift. <laughs> That's my more hey. hey. hashtag pod shift. Hashtag pod shift. We want to keep the podcast going for everybody. So you know we. Uh, we, we, we churn it out when we can. And I, you know, we've been, it's usually just like a day or so off, but you know. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a problem. I got an eyelash on my coffee. It's freaking me out a little bit here. Sorry guys. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting that. Yeah. You know, I got, I got to throw curveballs at you every once in a while. Um, so, uh, what's up, man? It's been an interesting few weeks. I, I got back from New Orleans a few days ago um, How was that? That was fun. I did things that I didn't do the last time I went to there New Orleans. There was one aspect of your New Orleans trip, or at least there were several that were awesome, but one in particular that piqued my interest. Yeah. I attended a World War II museum, the National World War II Museum. Oh it's one of the largest, uh, it's one of the largest museums dedicated to World War II history, if not the largest one in the country. I think one thing that makes it highly relevant to the time of us recording this too is that um, this is going into Memorial Day weekend, right. and you know it, Fleet Week is a huge thing in New York City. Yeah. Um, a salute to all of our veterans, all of our current active duty service members. Salute to those in uh, law enforcement, our first responders, people that have, you know, unfortunately succumbed to the situations that they you know, volunteered to be a part of in order to uh, strengthen this country. We salute all those individuals yep. and, and groups and units and brigades. And, you know, I think the World War II Museum really, really gives you insight into what was going on in the world at the time, right. not just domestically, but, you know, internationally. You have to, you have to give insight into it internationally. Um, it also illuminates certain aspects of American culture that you would have interpreted a little bit differently now seeing certain phrases like America first, for example, right. um, meant something different in 19, in 1940s than it does now. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> so it was, uh, it was very humbling and, uh, very, uh, very, and it's, it's also really exciting to watch some of it. Um, and because of that, I've been binge watching the HBO miniseries, the Pacific. Oh yeah. Like almost like nonstop, which I have to get. It's funny. I, I was a huge fan of a band of brothers. Um, but when the Pacific came out, I had only, I only watched a couple of the episodes and then just didn't, not that I didn't like it, but I just, when the Pacific came out, I only, uh, watched a couple of episodes and not, it wasn't because I didn't like it, but for whatever reason, like I couldn't keep up with it. So I've actually been pretty excited to like go back and revisit that the Pacific. How's that? How's, how's your journey been into the Pacific? So it's been amazing for anyone that has nothing to do on Memorial day weekend. And that just wants to sit back and watch TV and has not watched the Pacific. Totally. To be honest, that, that sounds like a great Memorial Day weekend. You go in and you watch, you watch, you know, the Pacific, World yeah. War Two, World War Two, yeah. U.S. Marine Corps, <laughs> Guadalcanal. Uh, 
And, you know, my, my grandfather fought on my mother's side, fought in the Pacific. And uh, it was funny. I was at the um, Navy Yard yesterday. And if you guys check out the Instagram, I put up a picture of an awesome sub shop, sandwich shop. <laughs> uh, Not a holy shop. <laughs> this is in Philadelphia. That's a sub. Subs. Uh, but Heroes. They're, they're, all, they're all named after, like, famous, like, submarines <laughs> or whatever. So I got the Destroyer, which was, like, a... Roast beef, onions, gravy. It was delicious. <laughs> Sounds all American. Felt like a man when I was in. <laughs> no. Real 50s guy. <laughs> uh, but no, it was crazy because like my grandfather on my dad's side was like stationed in the Navy Yard during World War II. So I was oh, kind of wow. just there like, one being like, wow, this is different. Like just, there's a lot more hipsters in the Navy Yard now. <laughs> and two, just like, you know, thinking about what some of those those old buildings used to look like you know around yeah. that time it's crazy yeah. but yeah um, uh, get out watch uh, some watch the Pacific watch Band of Brothers watch whatever you know like, yeah. uh, in honor of uh, those men and women that have uh, you know yeah those men and women that believe in things like honor <laughs> loyalty <laughs> respect oh boy <laughs> family I have a feeling we're gonna get a certain type of uh, <laughs> listenership <here. laughs> Especially for this episode, they're gonna be like, "What it was the most?" Some guy's gonna like search what is the most American gung ho podcast episode released on Memorial Day weekend, eight a.m. I know we're gonna rank right next to like Alex Jones's uh, podcast <laughs> and, and Bill O'Reilly's Lord podcast. No. Lord no. Um, obviously, yeah. I mean, if you uh, listen to the podcast, you understand that we. You know, respect and honor anybody who's served, but we also understand the problems for people who have been affected by Absolutely. like law enforcement and everything like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Uh, just putting that out there. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's funny. I wish, uh, I mean, I'm going out to, uh, I'm going to be in Vermont over uh, Memorial Day weekend. I'm, uh, I'm, Want to like get away, but also I'm doing some scouting. I got, gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to do a short film hopefully this summer. But part of me wishes I could just like sit back and watch like you know uh, Saving Private Ryan or something like that. So. <clears throat> um, anything else? What, what else? Uh, what else happened on your trip? And how? Uh, I went Nola crazy. I know you said <laughs> you kind of detested Bourbon Street. Yeah, Bourbon Street is. Uh, someone described it as. Like the armpit of New Orleans, and <laughs> the armpit of New Orleans. It's what's interesting about it is that it really is like their Times Square. But imagine Times Square with like a twentieth of the population, and everyone's drunk and a frat bro. Yeah, and, and, and a frat bro. You know, so I mean, that's not my first time being on Bourbon, but it's just one of those things you have to like walk around experience and then like leave. But this was the first time you went out there with your girlfriend. Right? Yeah. So it's yeah. a much different experience. I'm yeah. assuming. And by much different experience, it means my girlfriend couldn't stand one second of it. <laughs> so, you know, I had to quickly get her out of there right? because the, uh, the feels were, uh, <laughs> they were coming were, strong. They were coming strong. Uh, it, to be honest, yeah, the World War II Museum sounds like the best part of that trip from what you told me. You know my affinity for, like, when I was in London, I went to, like, Imperial War Museum yeah. and uh, Churchill's. That sounds so awesome, Imperial uh, War Museum. Imperial It's definitely a much better name than just, like, you know. What, was, know. The, what was the name of that? Just, like, World War II Museum? Yeah, the National World War II Museum. Yeah, no, Imperial, Imperial War, War Museum. Museum. It sounds like something that's going to, you're going to see it in, like, a later Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, this was when the Rebel Alliance 
Blue Oyster Smithereens. <laughs> That's a good uh, was that yeah. was that your Peter Cushing? I guess so. Right? <laughs> uh, but this also, is de- this is dedicated to the memory of Admiral Tarkin. <laughs> you know what Star Wars needs? A good like Churchillian like alien creature thing. That's just like weird. <laughs> well, wasn't um what's his, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Akbar Admiral Akbar was supposed to, yeah yeah. yeah. So Akbar is definitely like yeah. Hey, are they just trying to say like Churchill was like a big fish man? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I guess Akbar's kind. Of, but like, I want like you know, like he's got the stogie in his mouth, yeah. and like the whole nine. Like he's just kind of like we must protect the rebel alliance. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good Churchill, but that's the best that I can do. Um, yeah, so that that sounds like a that kind of sounds like the best part of that trip but i have never been to new orleans man like it's kind of like one of those things that like i kind of feel like you like i'm gonna detest bourbon street but like i'll do it once just because but it's still like uh a city that like i want to go and explore you know because there's a lot of history there yeah a lot of it bad but also yeah pretty good so um prior to my trip to new orleans i finally finished Atlanta season two, mm. and there's been so much. You finally caught up. Man. I finally caught up. There's, some, there's been so much hashtag content about Atlanta season right. two. It really is one of the best TV series. It's incredible, on, man. On, on on like this year. It's just it, the, the first two seasons are amazing. Yeah. It's literally one of the best television shows like I've ever watched. I think yeah. it's incredible, man. Um, yeah, and this season, my uh, my brother and I. Mike, who I, I say this every time, but who hosted one of Yeah, he hosted the, uh, the, the Dead Presidents episode. Yeah. He, uh, we were talking about this yesterday. Both seasons are amazing. I think both are great seasons, but season two is better. Like, it's crazy that, like, it's just getting better and better yeah. as it goes along. And one of the things that Mike was saying, and I agree with, is that in season two, you see a lot more of these sort of like standalone episodes and yeah. they pulled that off really, really yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, like the barbershop episode, yeah. right? Or the, the, not Kanye, the Drake episode, right? Which is great. <laughs> uh, so it's just, yeah, the writing's getting better and not, it was amazing in the first season, but the show's just evolving and just like, uh, it's, it's genius, man. Yeah. Yeah, Donald the, Glover's having one heck of a year, man. Oh, yeah. And Solo's, like, dropping. Which I saw. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I, so. will, I won't say much. Obviously, we don't like to get into spoilers here, at least not too early. Uh, but so I'll give you a quick, like, hot take on Solo. Like, um, so I saw it uh, Monday. Uh, and this is, I guess, uh, right before. It comes out, like, tomorrow, I believe, Friday. Yeah. Um. It's just, so let me say this. It's definitely a movie with flaws, right? I had, I had my issues with it, especially like towards the back end, but it's so fun, man. I thought it was super entertaining. One, the, the like practical costume effects are probably some of the best I've like ever seen in any of the Star Wars, especially like, let's say like take the original three out, but especially at any of the new ones, prequels included, mm. I think it's the best like practical effect, like costume work I've seen done. Cause they go to like all these different like planets and you're like seeing all these like, right. and they do it a lot more than some of the other previous films. But yeah, dude, it's just like, it's if there, a lot of it feels like fun adventure film, which I feel like as much as I liked Force Awakens and Last Jedi, those are setting up this like bigger ultimate story where so 
they don't necessarily have as many of those like fun adventure elements yeah, that yeah. like some of the original three had. Yeah. And this has that. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> I, I, and I, uh, Alden and Eichrich, uh, whatever, I can never pronounce his last name, but I thought he did a great job as Han, man. And Donald Glove is great <laughs> as Lando, man. So, does he crack open Colt 45? <laughs> <laughs> that, that means maybe <laughs> that means maybe uh dude it, it's really fun like i said there there are issues like i know people are gonna like cry like babies with some of the callbacks because obviously they do callbacks to like right. things that were said in the original film but most of it is just kind of like passing right like yeah, you, you yeah. get it or you don't or whatever so my biggest issue is there's something towards the end of the film that i was kind of like i'm not sure if this was needed and it sort of links it to some other stuff, and I uh, it, that well, that was probably my biggest issue. But I, I had a lot of fun with that man. Uh, but I would say my biggest recommendation from this week is uh, I saw Hereditary horror film, great, great new horror film that came out of uh, Sundance uh, with her rave reviews. And uh, dude, it's like to me, it's already like a new horror classic, man. And Tony Collette is brilliant in it. So I would say get out and see Hereditary, guys, if you. Uh, and you can get the chance when it comes out. Support it. Support your local indie horror movies. <laughs> I know. I went into a film tear there. Sorry, guys. No, no, I always sorry. have to do it. Jordan's good, always like, oh, I got him started. <laughs> no, anyway, I mean, so yeah, solo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Donald Glover. <laughs> back to Donald Glover. Uh, back to Donald Glover. He's had a fantastic year. I think uh, I th- the Drake slash Champagne Poppy episode. right, right. <laughs> also really also really smart i think the one the one thing i really do like about um uh the style of filmmaking they use is that it calls back it recalls a lot of hitchcockian hitchcockian excuse me hitchcockian <laughs> style of directing right it's amazing how they're able to like they're able to like basically scout out all these locations they have all these robust mansions right, in yeah, atlanta yeah. and if you go to the downtown Atlanta area now, it's mostly condos, regular, you know, middle-class houses. Right. But the fact that they're able to find like all these, like essentially houses or mansions or mini mansions that right. were there for years for, for, for almost like Dude, the Teddy decades. Perkins episode. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's really, it's really, I'm really impressed by the fact that they were able to like find and scout these locations and yeah, film yeah. on them. I think the, and the camera angles, the way they work on them is just so, it's very smart too. It looks like you're about to enter kind of like a horror movie in a way. Right. But it's really, you know, you don't really actually enter a horror movie. It ends up just being a, like a lot of funny situations. <laughs> right, right. You know? Although Teddy Perkins was definitely like was, pushing the, uh, that the was horror. Pretty, yeah, and I think it was really smart too is yeah. them putting um, Lakeith um, Stanfield, Stanfield yeah. as the, uh, you know, he's Darius. like, as, yeah, <laughs> as the guy leading that episode because he was he had such he had that bit part in get, get out, out yeah and to see him in a situation like that <laughs> yeah. again was hilarious i remember because i hadn't seen atlanta when get out uh came because atlanta was out like just a little before yeah i mean sorry yeah just a little before get out yeah so like everybody's like oh lakeith lakeith but i hadn't seen him yet so like i didn't really know who he was at the time but right in that opening scene when he's like walking and like texting and then he's like crossing the street and that car comes so he like kind of turns and he goes nope not me not to me. and i was like yo this dude is great it's just like the way he played it with yeah. like such ease and it was just kind of like rolled off him yeah he, he's such an awesome actor dude. yeah he has a real crazy film coming out which I'm gonna blank on the name now but he plays like this telemarketer guy 
And it looks nuts, but it looks really good. Is it man. sorry to bother you? Yeah, sorry to bother you. Tessa that one, Thompson's that in one it. looks yeah. really, really Dude, interesting. And when like I saw the ads, yeah. when I saw the ads for it, um, I I knew like this is something I need to watch. Yeah. Uh, Steven Yeun from mm. from The Walking Dead is in it. Yeah. Uh, they have a great cast. Uh, it's directed by. Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Riley. Boots Riley, right, right. Boots, for, yeah. former member of the radical leftist hip hop group The Coup, right. And there's a huge, actually, a New York Times article that came out recently that discusses his like infiltration of Hollywood. Right. Um, the people I think helped produce it. I think it was Nina Nina Yang. That's not her full Bon Jovi. Nina Yang Bon Jovi, I believe her last name is. <laughs> okay, epic last name. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's she's been very supportive of a lot of like POC filmmakers. Right. She she helped. She was part of. They were the same team behind uh, Fruitvale Station. Right, right, right. So I'm really excited to see that movie when it comes out. Uh, it, it look. I so I watched the trailer probably about a week or so ago, and I was like, this. I had like two things. I was like, this looks bonkers, like crazy, but also like I need to see this movie. Yeah. And th- the fact that Lakeith Stanfield is the lead, like I was, I was in. I was like, cause he's such an awesome actor. But Tessa Thompson too, like it's got a great cast. Yeah, like, I know. I'm, I'm really hyped for that one. I'm hoping we I, uh, get a screening to it soon. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad to see like all those. I saw. I don't. I don't remember if I met mentioned this in a previous episode, but I saw. Um, I saw a lobby hero with uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who plays Paperboy, and dude, he was phenomenal in it. Like it was like it was great because like it was Chris Evans is like uh, Broadway debut, and he was great. Right, but man, <laughs> Brian Tyree right, Henry right. was brilliant. He's pro- easily the best person in the cast, in my yeah. opinion. So it's great to see all these guys from Atlanta now just like rolling and yeah. like, doing their own things. Yeah. but obviously the show is still like maintaining and being great. But like them. Outside of the show, doing being very successful as well, so I'm hyped, man. I'm hyped to see where they go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that leads us into a good conversation about the rise of the black content creator. Yeah, you know, I know we touched upon it in a few other episodes, but I know I just feel like Donald Glover. I mean, him amongst other people are like right. kind of like the faces for it, but right. I just feel like he, in particular as of right now has just like he he's like you know he's like basically competing in three categories like right. music tv film right you know the, the only thing he isn't doing is i don't know like dude like next year we're gonna see him you remember that did you see the little like mini documentary they did on jim carrey painting yeah like there's gonna be like a donald glover yeah painting, yeah, painting yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you know he's, gonna be, he's also gonna be like a i don't know <laughs> He's gonna be like a. He's gonna be building robots and right. be like, "Whoa!" I, I can almost guarantee he's gonna have like a book deal or something at some point. Like, watch, watch him like write some book or something. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. But even like, if you even look at it, like, right, like the OG black content creator, uh, Spike Lee, right, right. just had black Black Klansman kill it at con and won grand prix so it's right. like even he's coming back and i think it's a genius move that he's working with uh jordan peele for uh oh. but um but it's great to see him like have this comeback too because i've probably mentioned this on here before 
I'm, I was such a huge Spike Lee fan. You know, growing up in New York, right? Like my two New York filmmakers were like Martin Scorsese and Spike Lee, right? Growing up, loved them. But Spike's taking a hard fall for me, man. Like the last yeah. decade or so. Yeah. Uh, so to see when I saw the trail for Black Klansman, I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, that looks awesome. Yeah. And and you know, Grand Prix. So it's even even seeing him like have this sort of like this renaissance. Comeback, this renaissance. Yeah, yeah. Is is cool, man. It's um, it's it's. It's a cool time to be in right now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I think, well, I think another thing that stood out to me too when I finally caught up to Donald Glover's uh, Champagne Poppy right. episode. <laughs> yeah, why are you so far behind, man? Why am I so far behind? <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, um, if you like, guys don't know, uh, Jordan was way ahead of me on Atlanta, and I just blew past yeah. him. So. No, I mean, it was, it was there were so many like key moments of that of the season two that I, I zeroed in on, right. especially after the whole thing. Well, I know there was that whole thing with him coming out with This Is America, and then there was like some pushback because people felt that because he was married to, or he's like with a woman who isn't like okay, a POC, man. like a POC, like it kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And we actually discussed that a little bit in the interview with uh, comedian mm-hmm. Tim Barnes. But there's a part in that Champagne Poppy episode where the whole time this black woman's like, uh, I, forgot her, I forgot the character's name, but she's like following around like this couple Right, it's black man and a white woman, and like I guess like the black guy is really supposed to be like really well known, right? right? And she kind of confronts like the white woman, white girl yeah. woman about it, and there's no there's no answer, there's no real good defense, right? Right. It's just the reality is that we can have this conversation. I can address it right now, but like, what type of answer are you ultimately going to be looking for? Right. And I think a lot of people that have been kind of throwing a lot of giving him a lot of flack for it have kind of like missed that point in terms of a watching the show and then b taking that in consideration for his life his life choices right you know um and and you know there's a you know there's a funny there's actually a really good ringer article about how him and kanye kind of exist in a very similar space but like right now one is getting thrown under the bus right as we addressed in our last episode <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is actually getting, you know, a lot of support for, you know, the type of art that he's creating. Right. You know, but I, you know, I, I think the the conversation we have with, I have, I have with him cause I know you, you can be there for it. Um, it kind of does a good job of at least talking around those points, right. you know? Um, and, and, you know, in addition to that, like, you know, I know some people gave Issa Rae some flack for something she wrote in her book some, some years back, right. you know? So, but yeah, I thought that was a really that was a really funny and clever episode, right. and even the way they closed out the season was really really right. smart. I mean, the episode where they're at that uh, at that college campus, <laughs> great dude, I love that episode. <laughs> it's like every episode I can be like, love it, yeah. love. Even yeah. though you know which ones I really like is uh, the one where they go to like the German sort of like oh yeah, uh, yeah. you know dance thing, whatever it is. Um, cause one that sort of touches on like Zazzy Beats is like background, right? Like she yeah. herself, I think was like born in Germany and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So it was like cool to see them sort of incorporate that yeah. too. Right. And it's like something that kind of came out of left field, like all of a sudden you're just like, what? She's speaking German. What? Like yeah. where? So, uh, it's just every episode sort of like exists kind of in its own space in some, to some degree, but they just. They all work, man. They all, it's, yeah. Yeah. Great show. Um, and as far as like, 
you know, him sort of catching all this like flack for like, you know, dating a white woman. Uh, we don't even know her ethnic background. Yeah. I, I, one, I don't know anything about her, but, uh, I mean, I, I, I know how I feel about it. And I personally just didn't care, but I am also not African American. So I can't like speak from that. You know, Wait, Joe, you're not black. Oh boy! <laughs> but um, I feel lied to. <laughs> I feel lied to. Uh, but I also, uh, I don't think that has any bearing on this is America, man. Like that song still is making the statement it's making, no matter outside of whatever his personal life is, right? Yeah, that song's not about his personal life, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's like some of his experience, but it's more about like a general overall experience that, you know, African-Americans are having, you know, as being Americans in this day and age. So I think it has no bearing on that, but that's my own personal opinion. Again, you know, I, um, you know, I'm speaking from my own perspective. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So we have a great, we have a great interview with comedian Tim Barnes, like we mentioned before. <laughs> I was the one uh, spearheading at this time because. Uh, yeah, sorry guys, I was. Uh, I was. I don't even remember why I was busy, but I couldn't be there for the interview. But I'm sure yeah. Jordan knocked it out of the park. Him and Tim. So. Yeah, um, we address some of those parts. We talk about what it feels like to, you know, be a, a comedian, a black comedian, and, and a black content creator in this day and age. Right. It's a dope interview. You know what we should do right before we roll into this interview? We should just like record a bunch of just like clips of me being like, right? Yeah, yeah, true. Definitely. And we just throw it in, man. And then people never know that it wasn't there. <laughs> Jordan's laughing. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, let's uh, check out the interview. It's uh, awesome stuff. Yep. Cool. All right. Hey, what's up? This is comedian Tim Barnes. Before we jump into my interview with 8 a.m. Shift, I want to invite those listening to come check out my comedy showcase, Art School. Art School. Art School. Which I co-produce with Joanna Solaritoff and Jordan Mendoza. For dates and times, check out timbarnescomedy.com slash shows. So I ended up speaking to my friend, comedian Tim Barnes. That's me. So, Tim, <laughs> this is an interesting one because Joe's not here. Yeah. We had some very pretty interesting conversation before we started recording. Yeah. Um, I guess we should probably elaborate how we met each other. I met you through a friend of mine. At a comedy show at a pizza, pizza joint. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, you're pretty funny. Thanks. My girlfriend thought you were hilarious. <laughs> um, I thought you looked like Bob Ross. Has, has, has anyone ever told you that before? Yeah, yeah. Actually, because I got told that so often, you know, the first time I actually heard that was uh, this comedian, Clark Jones. You know who he is? No. He's one of the hosts of The Knitting Factory now, the, the oh, show that okay. started with, with Hannibal. There's a show in the south side of Chicago that, like, before, before I was, like, really, like, Gung ho about stand up. Is that a racist term, gung ho? I felt very weird saying that to you for some reason. Uh, I, I'm not offended. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Hey, I'm drunk on water right now. I mean, if I'm if I get offended, I'll just turn to Twitter and. Okay. You know. Right. You never believe what Tim Barnes just said. Um, and but it was a show at, a, at the back of a coffee shop. It was like outside summertime in Bronzeville, Southside of Chicago. It was so exciting. All these comics going up. 
and you could tell that like there wasn't like a, an official roster. This comedian Brian Babylon hosted it, and so you just knew that like you'd go there and like maybe you get picked to go up, and uh, so much excitement about it. And I would just like make sure to go out to see it. But I was just like a quiet kid. No one knew that I did stand up, but I was just being the audience all the time. And uh, he like made fun of me a little bit, you know, which is totally fine. He just called me Bob Ross. But then I ended up like making like a little bit of an opener opener joke about the fact that I look like Bob Ross. Um, and you have a, a comedy a comedy thing now called art school. Don't you think it's kind of self fulfilling? <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> and I make sure to wear a Bob Ross uh, shirt sometimes. But uh, do you want to hear my joke? Sure. I'd, I'd get on stage and say, "How are we doing tonight? Let's get lost tonight. I can be your black uh, Rick Ross tonight." And I said, no, no, let's, I can do better than that. Let's get lost tonight. I can be your black Bob Ross tonight. And I did pretty well. I'm like cracking up and uh, joke taken, <laughs> joke taken. So tell us about your background. Like where are you from? What you do? I know we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Yeah. You know. I grew up in L.A. I grew up in South Central L.A. Yeah. Um, wasn't allowed to go outside as a kid, which I always say explains a lot of my personality. Because um, I was a quiet kid. Spent a lot of time in my imagination. Um, I feel like this is like the start of how like all great geniuses like rise to power. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was weird. And I it was one of those things where like, I think it was a blessing because I didn't want to go outside. You know, it wasn't like a sad thing where like, Oh man, my parents aren't letting me go outside. I had no interest in going outside. I had a great time watching TV and reading books, um, but I didn't realize I, I lived in South Central LA until I was well into my twenties. And someone in Chicago was like writing something about me, and uh, she asked what particular part of LA I was from, and I seriously just like Googled it. And then I was like, oh, shit, I grew up in South Central L.A. What did you tell people before that, though? Like, I just said L.A. Right. Yeah, I didn't know what it meant. Down, downtown yeah, L.A.? Yeah, I mean, I lived, I lived, like, pretty close to the Staples Center. I lived, like... Which is crazy to think about, because, like, I've, <laughs> I've stayed around the Staples Center, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I never it never occurred to me that South Central is that close <laughs> to the Staples Center. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm like, yo, this is or Tupac was talking about to like live and die in LA, right? But it's it's I mean it's true. Like I mean, post Reagan era, there was a lot of um, changes in every major city, and like it was like a trend at the time that people were like, f like in, from the 70s and 80s on, people were fleeing to the suburbs more or less, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of major cities were like struggling to rebuild. I mean, you saw this. Uh, there's a there's a great documentary about uh, it was Cocaine Cowboys, right? Where they talked about like Miami, downtown Miami, how yeah. it lent itself to shows like Miami Vice, Scarface, right? And then what ended happening was that it kind of created this robust culture for people to want to come to and flock to after that. And I I felt like LA, a lot of that happened in the '90s in LA. I mean, you had the riots, you know. Um, but also culture, too, at the time was very heavily centered. Like, gangster rap was big in the late 80s. Uh, and, I mean, which I guess kind of contributed to the riots, maybe more so than... But, I mean, I think people forget that um, the Cali hip-hop movie in general was, a, like, something that was felt throughout the planet. So yeah. it lent itself a lot to culture. And, you know, the, you know, I know Cali's having a moment now. Yeah. But before that, you had John Singleton. You had... Uh, uh, their names are excuse me. Johnson with the Hughes brother the Hughes brothers, yeah. right? Um, all of them had this moment and all of them had brought uh 
you know, brought the cameras and basically milked off of Hollywood's, like, <laughs> you know, Hollywood's energy. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's kind of interesting that you, you had this experience. Right? Yeah. And I feel like it's an experience that uh, I don't fully understand. One, because I wasn't allowed to go outside as a kid. Two, because I didn't want to go outside as a kid. <laughs> this <I> is <laughs> And then three, the fact that I moved out. We, my family moved to the Inland Empire uh, around my last year of middle school. So I don't really have those years where like I can I could drive and I lived in L.A. You know? right, and right. that's a time where I think I really would have connected with the city that I was uh, raised in and really like had a sense of like pride about L.A. But I don't really have that at all. I have no I probably have more of a sense of pride in Chicago because I moved there purpose purposely to to do stand up. And I have all these like emotions and memories and places attached to that. But I don't really have like locational pride right. outside of that. Right. And that's such a unique, strange thing to me. I don't have any like personal attachment to a basketball team. I don't, you know, I'm right. not excited when I tell people I'm from LA. You don't wear Adidas flip flops yeah, outside, yeah. shorts on, and socks, right? <laughs> yeah. And I don't feel like I represent the, you know, the area I grew up in. So you feel closer to <clears throat> Kanye than Tupac. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm also not pretending to. Uh, <laughs> I'm also not pretending to be part of a street culture because I didn't. Go right, out, right. I didn't go outside. Right, I didn't right. experience any streets. Right, got gotcha. you. Experience more of the interior of cars than actual streets. No, that's fair. No, that's that's totally fair. I think it's funny too because um, like I'm a, I'm a born and bred New Yorker, and I never I didn't go to Cat's Deli until actually this year. Funny mm. enough, right? People are always just like, well, you never really the Cats Deli. I'm like, yo, I grew up in East Queens. Like, people, I don't know, like, for me, it was like, you just stuck to the things that you knew. Your inclination to explore more, find out more may not come until you, we were much older. And even then, it's not like I just had $25 to drop on a pastrami sandwich just like that. Yeah. You know, to wait online for, like, <laughs> several hours and just buy a pastrami sandwich that cost, like, you know, 20-something dollars, Yeah, you know? But I, I totally get it, you know. It's like what defines that, what defines that experience. And for some people, it's like it goes across, um, it goes across like I guess city lines, you know. But I don't know. I think New Yorkers in, in particular were the most clannish when it comes to like our ident- identity. Yeah, you know. You definitely proclaim it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. So what's what's your story? What uh, what was your first job? My first job, I worked at. Uh, I had this summer gig at the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. When I was younger, and my my first like regular job job was I worked at Models in Douglaston, New York. Um, it's not that interesting, but interesting. <laughs> but what's funny is that it taught me a lot about. Um, it's I put it like this: if you work retail jobs, especially like like lower tier retail jobs, and this isn't to like knock Models. I really like yeah. Models, right? You know, but we're not talking about like. I don't want to say Dick Sporting Goods because that's not yeah. exactly top. Well, my first job was at a J.C. Penney's. Right. Yeah. It was like it was a department store, yeah, right? Yeah. And like Models isn't really a department store; it's like Sporting Goods. Huh. You know, um, it's literally the type of franchise that you wait until you know you get you can get five shirts for twenty dollars. Yeah. You know, other than that, you're not gonna buy those t-shirts. You know. Yeah. But I mean, it just taught me a lot about knowing people, talking to people. You know, because I could have reasonably worked with someone like yourself. Mm. You know, at a job like that, and these weren't like 
bad people. They weren't dumb people. They weren't like people that just like this. They wanted to do this forever. They were just doing to get by. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. You really, I still think about that to this day. You know, what it means like to be around people mm -hmm. that are just trying to get by. Yeah. You know. Got it. Yeah. I, it was probably much deeper. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you were looking for the joke somewhere, and you're like, God, no, that's actually no, 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 no. That's actually something I I, I struggle with because I I feel like. Uh, I'm good at a certain kind of conversation, but also like I'm only interested in conversations where people are talking about like what you just did. Like you really talk about something specific and, and real and isn't like uh, this like fluffy stuff, you know, like how was your day? That kind of stuff. I'm not really good at those kind kinds of conversations, but I... Yeah, you know, I struggle with conversations where people start talking about, um, like posh, like New York City or like uh -huh. posh city experiences. They're like, oh, well, I, I had this incredible like kale omelet and it was and i'm like <laughs> well, right. like what did i make i ate leftover spaghetti yeah. for breakfast and then i came to work you know yeah yeah <laughs> and then i sent joe notes for the 8 a.m show <laughs> you know, and i don't think i was clean yeah yeah <laughs> i feel like I, I just i'm more and more i'm disconnected with like what people are talking about and why they talk about what they're talking about i don't know if it's just like because i'm getting older and Maybe I don't know. Memes definitely help. You know? <laughs> Do they though, or are they ruining everything? I'll put it like this. I mean, I think we've we've entered yeah. an era dominated by Black Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think you gotta thank Black Twitter for some of the greatest moments and. <laughs> In the greatest cultural milestones on the internet. Yeah. You know, there's now a white woman with dark sunglasses on, yeah. on a cell phone. And you know what's funny? I didn't even realize this was a thing. It's yeah. just my girlfriend, like, DM'd me something that she saw. And then as time progressed, like, it, all the pieces came together. Like, oh, that was a lady that called the, call, <laughs> called the cops on those people that were having a bar. Oh, I get it. And then, like, I just kept seeing more and more and yeah. more and more of them. And then I was like... Man, this is uh, this is more than just a moment. This is a movement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's you, you think about stuff like that. You think about emojis. You think about you know we're going to hieroglyphics. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's actually good point. a good point. So is is this a backtrack or is the fact that the ancient Egyptians were using basically emojis to communicate with each other a sign that we are actually a new height in civilization? Yeah, right now? Possibly. Yeah. I, I I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. We, would we make fun of it? But you know, maybe that's why Rome fell. Right. You know, everyone was being meta and ironic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel uh, I feel so wokeith right now. <laughs> Speaking of wokeith, and that's like an ongoing joke with Joe and I for this okay. podcast. Where like, um, there's certain. Man, this really sucks that Joe's not here. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. But um, I I, I basically how much fun I'd be having yeah. if Joe were here. Oh, you'd be dying right now. Yeah. <laughs> now I um, so you know, there's a lot of these uh, kind of like uh, <laughs> appropriated liberal terminologies that that now make me vomit in my mouth. So like, if you say the word woke, I joke around like, oh, vomiting my mouth. <laughs> we have seen. I mean, you can attribute it to the Trump bump. You can attribute yeah. it to a lot of things. To a lot of things, just culturally. But I, I I'm curious to know from your perspective as a comedian, like how do you feel about this kind of like movement for like, <clears throat> before I vomit my mouth, woke comedy? <laughs> woke comedy? I mean, I, I guess I want to hear some examples of, of what you think woke comedy is. Um, 
I think there's an actual comedy show somewhere in Brooklyn called like the woke as fuck comedy show. Okay. And I'm not trying to, trying to throw. I don't know who produce. I, I don't know if, uh, who produces that. I think I do know, but I don't want to like pull them up right now. So, yeah. and I've never actually been to it, so I might reasonably <laughs> enjoy it. I just hate hearing the word woke. You just hate the word. Well, it's like you know. Yeah. Remember when in the in the earlier 2000s when like the word conscious for like or like the real hip hop was like the terminology. Yeah. For for like listeners, I kid you not, Kanye West. <laughs> was at one point like the 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 face of quote unquote real hip hop. It was him, Most Def, or Yasin Bey, Talib Kweli, Common, and a, a slew of others. There's actually a double XL um, issue that has them and Dave Chappelle on the cover, and I think I believe the 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 headline is "Real Hip Hop Is Back." <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's like when I start hearing these these, these kind of holier than thou terminologies, yeah. I start to get like kind of a little apprehensive about it, you know. Um, well, you know, all these all these things fade. Uh, I don't know if the word fleek was holier than than thou, but uh, there's definitely. Yeah, but definitely. who fucked it up for us? We th- I think we know. I think we know. Thank, yeah. thank you, thank you, liberals. I, I think you know the speed at which you can be annoyed by it. I mean, the the real issue with fleek. With the word woke, with Donald Glover's new music video, This Is America, is the speed at which white people catch up. I saw today a music video by a comedian, a white woman, that was called This Is America Women's Edition. And she is redoing the video but replacing certain words so that it's about white feminist stuff. Right. The speed of that is insane. Yeah, I know. I know. The speed of the critique of the music video. I mean, it went from like, oh, this is like a unique experience for the first five hours that the music video is out there, then a slew of think pieces and then think pieces about the think piece yeah every like major every every major media publication had like a think piece on this is america yeah and they all said the same things but but then you know then if you if you pay attention to the black twitter trends like i do we do like we do we do there are slices of it where you know it's opening the conversation about Donald Glover is opening some very valid conversations about his his politics, his historical politics as childish Gambino and as a comedian. So, well, I actually wanted to talk to you about that. And before we get to that, though, um, I'll just say this: as far as that woman who made that feminist version of This Is America, I'm just curious to know who like the Uncle Ruckus face was <laughs> for for that I'm, video you I, I mean i kind of feel like you should pull it up and we should just watch it together i don't know if that's something you do on the podcast if that's too distracting but i at least want you to i'll tweet you conversation later conversation is over i'll tweet you watch later. it yourself and then record your uh actually i think you should you should hook your earbuds to your phone and if you want to, you should watch it right now and just do some live commentary. This is a first. We're going to watch... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting out of this. Um, all right. This is America. Women's version. 
This is America. Don't catch you climbing up. Don't catch you climbing up. Cause don't get you slipping up. Hey, come on. This is America. We'll say North America. Look how we living now. The boys could be tripping now. This is America. Got rape in my area. You got a drain? Yeah. The roof is getting to your cuz. Hey, this is America. Don't catch you climbing up. So Tim made me watch the the woman's version of This is America and all I'm going to say is I support women. <laughs> but the thing about that that I am hung up on is the speed at which that Yeah, yeah, I I agree. You know? No, I I agree that So it, it's it's like saying because of that, because tons of white people are going to make their versions of the music video, that the original music video is is suddenly bad or doesn't have the same weight that it had the first hour that you saw it. Right. And I think that's what's happened towards like woke. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I I know I have nothing to say. Like I <laughs> am just. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not like uh, insulted. I'm just like wow. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I guess the question I had for you in regards to Childish Cambina. So part of this episode had to deal with uh, the rise of black content creators. And I guess we, what we do, and Joe and I are huge fans of Atlanta. I know you said you haven't watched all of it yet, which is yeah. totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I was just curious to know, um, you know, the debate from your perspective, the debate about Childish Cambino's uh, past comments and is he really the beacon for before I throw up my mouth, woke, you know, like woke. I mean, it's like the leader for like the. I guess I mean right now it's like he's just kind of like his the music video was so visceral. Yeah, that you know he kind of became like the poster child for. I guess, to, I mean, hey, the word. I guess the word right word would be conscious then, right? Yeah. Um But like you know, a lot of people have given him flack because he's married to a woman who isn't black, and I was just kind of curious to hear your perspective and. I'm not here to put you on the spot, but I mean, it's like, you know, it's an open conversation. Yeah. You know? Um, he's, he, I worry about how many personalities he might have. That, I think that's the only thing I can say about him. It's pretty intense to be playing Lando Calrissian, to have a show that's coming out weekly, to be hosting SNL and then also performing songs on SNL and then having that music video come out right after it. And I think uh, in some ways, I think uh, him and Kanye are, are kind of trying to make the same sort of points, which are in some ways interesting. They're both not the conventional black person or the black stereotype that you have of someone in entertainment or in music, right. Kanye and, and uh, Donald Glover. Um. Yeah, I know the Ringer did a whole article about about that. How they're kind yeah. of, I guess, polar opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah, yeah. Know? But what's crazy is that to me, I mean, I know we were going to talk about Kanye at some point. Mm. I know maybe we're giving him too much credit right now, especially since there's a bunch of other like more horrendous things happening in the world right now. But yeah. like the uh, this is America women's version. 
Come on, Tim. We support. I support women. women I support as well. women. I'm I support women. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I don't support women. I'm saying. I, you may not necessarily support that video. I don't. And yeah, I don't support that that video. I don't know why you're trying to make it seem like you support that video. I saw your face while you watched it. I'm not saying I I didn't support the video though. I'm just saying I support women. Okay, we get okay, it. Yeah, we get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. okay, so we're saying the same things. We're saying the same we're saying thing. We're saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> America, I need you to watch the This Is America women's edit and tell me how you feel about it. You don't need to sugarcoat it with the fact that you support women. Watch the music video and feel what I'm feeling here. You heard him. You heard Tim. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so I guess I guess bringing it back to, I guess like Kanye and childish. I think, I think I don't know. My thing with Kanye is I just feel like he meant so much for a lot of people, and to see him kind of go down this path is a little alarming. I know we talked about this a little bit too, but the thing is, I, I feel like the the seeds were all planted. We just didn't pay attention to them. I think some people weren't paying attention. I was definitely someone who people would say, "You need to, you need to, you need a little more Kanye in your personality." You know, people would say that kind of thing to me. Oh, really? But uh, so they wanted you to wear Confederate flags. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, there's a you have to have a lot of respect for uh, some of the outrageous things that he did, but um, like light suction. <laughs> No, just like uh, interrupting people. George Bush doesn't care about black people, that kind of thing. Um, getting a, a whole row, row of his teeth removed and having diamond teeth <laughs> replaced yeah. inside of them. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Normal, uh, normal things. Normal things. Normal things. But I was always someone who was also like, this guy is clearly kind of you know going through a lot of stuff, and I don't think a lot of people are focusing on that. And I think it's a dangerous thing. Where, you know, you when you love someone and you want to defend them no matter what. I mean, I feel like what's happening with diehard Kanye fans, in some ways, it's, it's funny because I'm looking at a lot of, especially the male Kanye fans, go through the same things that, you know, a spouse or a significant other would, you know, ride or die for their man once they realize, like, oh, man, this person is pretty broken and messed up right now. And that realization of like, you know, how much was I inflating this or something, you know? Yeah. 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 Although I will say that I don't think Kanye is irredeemable though. Like R. Kelly. <laughs> I just wanted to have that silence. Yeah. There. <laughs> I mean, R. Kelly is like irredeemable. Yeah, I mean, Kanye is redeemable in the sense that just needs Donald Trump or any politician who understands the 24-hour news cycle is redeemable. Like, Donald Trump could make himself redeemable if he just shut up for a week, you know? You know, because that's just how the media works. Like, you, everyone... everyone that, can, that, that is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. You know what the messed up thing is? Imagine he loses in 2020, which <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think will happen. I think he might oh, wow. have... I think yeah. he has a good shot at getting reelected. Especially if he starts a war. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how you get reelected in this yeah. country. Um, no, but the other thing is, too, is that it, it's like the, the media is so addicted to him that I really feel that if he were to, like, shave his head, become a Buddhist, and start... 
doing things to. Why would you put that image in my? I, I mean, imagine he went on like a a um, redemption redemption tour and he started, you know, doing things like building I don't know uh, sustainable sustainable farms in like inner city communities and uh, treating people with respect and uh, <laughs> you know and 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 visiting the, some of the country countries he berated. Mm-hmm. You know the media would 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 travel him around every second, and, and imagine I'm giving you a scenario where he's not president anymore. Got it. You know. Yeah. Pe- they would follow him at every second. They would they would zero in on the fact that he's like been redeemed. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I I just feel like that's that's the way the world works. Like they would actually make him out to be like this. They they, they would make him out to be. Much better than the way we initially remembered him. Look at George W. Bush. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, my thing with him is that I always thought he was a capable politician. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, Dick Cheney is like one of the most cutthroat individuals. I think yeah. if you study him piece by piece, he's one of the most cutthroat mm. individuals I think in American history. Yeah. And now he's like making books about soldiers. You know, like painting, he's doing a painting, a book of paintings about soldiers, yeah. and some of whom served in wars that he initiated under his administration, yeah. which is insane to me. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're so we're we're still focusing on you know we're, we're focused so so intently on the current administration and yeah. what's you know the possibility of what might happen. That that's a great you know realization of, I mean, especially how how old are you? I'm thirty two. Thirty two. I'm 29, baby. Uh, <laughs> but it, of people our age, to I mean, to realize that uh, how fragile history is. Well, I think in our, in yeah. our lifetime, as as people who have experienced the Bush years and know how, like, you know how much I mean, everyone I knew hated him to see that shift to now where the same people I know who hated him were like, he's all right. You know, it's funny in 2012 people had, I, I had said it to some of my friends who were like vehemently against anything Republican. And I had said like, you know, I don't really mind Mitt Romney. And a lot of them think I was crazy, but I was like, you, you think Mitt Romney is that much of a threat compared to anyone else who we've dealt with? <laughs> he's the same technocrat as Obama. He just, Leans more conservative. He's probably very similar to George W. Bush. Maybe his immigration policy is a little bit more restrictive. He's another rich white guy. <laughs> you know, it's definitely interchangeable with John Kerry. I think. Yeah, and you know, it's you know, it's crazy. John Kerry. If you if you read his Wikipedia, he's got more he's got more skin than a lot of the other guys. Mm. I mean, that guy was a U.S. Marine that like yeah. killed people in Nam. Bush never killed people in Nam. Obama's never. <laughs> gotten close to the U.S. Army, <laughs> um, and then I don't think Mitt Romney. Yeah, Mitt Romney's not military. He's, yeah. he's Mormon, right? That's what that's what <laughs> was so strange to me is that you take this conservative Christian base. It to me it was like a sign, and even Donald Trump uh, as a retaliation to Obama of how much you hate the fact that you have a black president right. that you are going to put your conservative Christian values to the side. And nominate and potentially elect someone who's a religion that you are very uncomfortable about. Right. And pretty much know nothing about. Right. 
uh, and then even now with Donald Trump, you are going to elect someone who very blatantly is fucked up porn star, and yeah, has all of these moral uh, um, potholes. And <laughs> so that's a, that, that's a, that was a very nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moral potholes. Moral potholes. Moral potholes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess let's, let's bring it back to D- Donald Glover. Do you think he? Do you think he's less? Do you think, do you think he's less of a uh, wokeith? individual because he has a white wife or non-black wife yeah isn't that like a mystery of yeah i think she she looks like white and asian or something like that or she could be asian or i yeah i don't i don't think that is uh a lack of wokethness yeah Yeah, vomiting my mouth because i heard woke that doesn't have anything to do with anything like uh I wouldn't say I'm friends with him, but I know W. Kamau Bell, and I, I consider him to be a pretty, you know, yeah, I'm going to say the word you hate, but it's so weird that that word has, like, replaced numerous other word, words that I would say in there, but I think he's a very socially conscious, smart comedian. Dude, when I was 20, cares. if you said socially conscious, I would have, like, totally, <laughs> like, like, Smack my face a few times, <laughs> but it's like at the same time, like yeah. what did? How did they describe like James Baldwin in like the nineteen sixties? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? How did they describe him? Yeah, fiery, <laughs> fiery Negro. <laughs> um, you know, and he has a white wife, and you know, I don't think that stuff has to do with. But do you think there's yeah. also something we said that the reality is that, for for what a lot of people have told me, and I'm I'm dating a black woman. Oh, right? whoa. and drop the mic. <laughs> I don't know why. That, see, I don't look at that. It's, that's, cra- that cra- that's crazy, right? I think maybe, maybe yeah. some listeners might find that crazy. I don't think it's as cra- that that it's that crazy. Did Issa Rae hook you two up? <laughs> also, someone who we should probably throw into this conversation, yeah. right? Who caught flack for doing something very similar. Um, which I think, to be fair, I think Issa Rae. I was. I don't. First of all, this is like five years after the fact. Number one and number two. Um, She's not the first person that said stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I do recall um, an instance where, I'm not going to say this person's name because I actually know the guy personally, um, but he had gone on a, another HBO show with a talking head and said something very similar based on, because um, at the time in like the 2013 identity politics, that's another that's another phrase that <laughs> I will I will absolutely like vomit in my mouth if you were like identity politics. Ah. Yeah. Um, well, when they talked about it, they were basically saying that if you look at dating data from dating apps, the two lowest ranked people on the totem pole mm. are usually Asian males and black women. Um, I, I so I, I don't like that sentiment was not the first time someone has said that. So I think yeah. some, throwing her flack now is a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's unfair writing it in a humorous way yo it's not like she yo the thing is too if you watch Insecure like she chose like the black men on Insecure that she, oh, are like conventionally attractive black men those are black men that black women like to to look at mm-hmm. I mean and I say that I, I'm probably gonna catch a little bit of flack keep saying this <laughs> but it's true like the, like listen every every brother on, on Insecure has a six pack like 
<laughs> yeah, I don't have a six pack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every I feel yeah. like every brother after the age of like twenty seven <laughs> doesn't have a six pack, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. Was, <laughs> the college gym was pretty convenient, but <laughs> like once you start working, <laughs> shit changes, you know. If you don't have a crunch ne- nearby, you know. But that's what I'm saying is that it's like, um, I guess to the point that I was trying to make was that guys like Childish Camino or even you know, Kamal Bell, like mm-hmm. I, I've never looked, I've never gotten the sense that th- these were men that were idolized by black women wholeheartedly you know they, they always had this kind of like multiracial appeal from people across you know i could be mistaken mm-hmm. i'm not saying like no black woman ever like <laughs> like you know what i mean but i mean if you look at a show like insecure though mm-hmm. it's like it's pretty like you know none of the, none of the dudes on there look like kamal bell <laughs> right am i am i wrong am i wrong yeah yeah, you, I, don't, yeah I don't think you've watched insecure thought about it, yeah. yo but think, I, I no let's think about it. there's yeah. only one guy on there that but, had, yeah but i mean that's and that was uh little Will howry when he did a guest appearance <laughs> on insecure there's the only guy that looks close to like kamal bell that i would <laughs> <laughs> jay ellis does not look like kamal bell uh the dude the dude yeah, that's in the yeah. music does the music producing that, that the guy that she leaves uh but I also think uh, any woman uh, in media has the right to cast men however she wants. Absolutely. Do you remember porn Absolutely. in the 70s? I actually don't because I wasn't <laughs> alive in the 70s. Do you know who, what's that guy's name? Who's the famous Ron? Ron Jeremy? Yeah. Queens native, went to Cardozo High School. Uh-huh. I didn't go to Cardozo Why High School. Why in but- the world was that guy a porn star? Why in the like? They you say know, they, they say men were fan, men were his biggest fans because he didn't look like attractive. He didn't look hot. That's the kind of stuff that women had to deal with. Is what I'm saying. Though. That's fair. Yeah. Funny thing about Ron Jeremy is that he uh, he graduated with, or he he attended Cardozo High School at the same time as uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, the father from uh, Family Matters. Oh wow. And um, George Tenet, the former head of the CIA. Wow. Yeah. Useless information, but. One of my favorite things is that Red Fox and Malcolm X were buddies. Yeah. Yeah, childhood buddies. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy to come to think about it. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, what's next for you? What do you mean? I mean, what's the, what's the move for you? What, what should we look out? Like, what should we, what major project are you, major. are you working on? Like, project. Yeah. Um. Uh, I do stand up. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, nothing like super specific. Writing a lot of things, packets for shows, and trying to get things off the ground. Gotcha. Uh, how do people usually answer this question? Uh, they usually meander about eating, I don't know, kale omelets at a place I can't afford. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll be eating uh, kale omelets at places you can't afford. Dilly noted. Tim, thanks again for <laughs> joining us fun. on the 8 a.m. I, I feel, uh, yeah, I hope this sounds good. I hope I'm not freaking people out. And uh, stay woke, everybody. Vomiting my mouth. <laughs> so that was Tim Barnes. That was cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 
I don't think, you know, I feel a little, I'm like, damn, man, I should have been there for that. It's <laughs> all good, man. I think, uh, well, I think we touched upon some things that we'll probably keep going back to at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, you should have him, should have Tim on again soon. Yeah. So that's our episode. Follow yeah. us, Instagram, Facebook. All, all of the uh, things. <laughs> at, at 8 a.m. shift. Yep. Um, yeah. Shifters uh, out. Uh, shifters out. All right. Thanks.